0: Jeff Levy had some things to say about the Oklahoma offense and his quarterback. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners.
1: You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and joining me is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7, the ref in Norman. Josh, what's up, man?
1: Oh, not a whole heck of a lot, I suppose. Just still reacting to, thinking about OU Media Days and getting set for the start of fall camp here in Norman, Oklahoma.
0: Yes, Football practice is about to get underway. So that means talking season is pretty much over, at least for the, the team and the players. Obviously, we'll be talking about the Oklahoma Sooners nonstop, five days a week for you here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. But Josh, Jeff Levy had some really interesting things to say, namely about the quarterback. I feel like there was an attempt, uh, at least by certain media members, to kind of downplay some of Jeff Levy or Jeff Levy. Dylan Gabriel's size, arm strength, you know things of that nature, um, kind of as it pertains to him potentially being a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. But let's hear what Jeff Levy had to say about Dylan Gabriel and his ability to throw the deep ball.
2: I think one of the greatest things that, that Dylan does is throw the deep ball. You know, I think if you look at all of his throws on tape and you you go back to his freshman year, sophomore year, and then before he got hurt last year, he can push the ball down the field. So he's got great touch on it understands how to get the ball out of his hand a little earlier if he needs to. But uh, that's actually – that's the strength of his for sure.
0: Your thoughts, Josh?
2: Yeah, well,
1: seems like it would be a strength of his. I mean, he's got 8,000-plus passing yards in his career so far, 70 passing touchdowns. Doesn't seem like he's bashful to try to stretch the field. Now, does he maybe have the outright arm talent of – the two quarterbacks that were just on campus for Oklahoma in a Caleb Williams or a Spencer Rattler. I don't know, probably not. It's up for debate that maybe his arm strength isn't quite that, but I don't know that necessarily you always have to have that arm strength, especially at the college level to be one of the nation's finest quarterbacks. And even in the national football league. Yeah. I mean, obviously you'd love to have a, a rocket, a cannon for an arm, but I don't know that that's, you absolutely have to have that or the best out of everybody in the national football league to be an effective starting quarterback. But Hey, that's, that's way down the road. As far as it pertains to what he's going to do at the university of Oklahoma, I think Dylan Gabriel has illustrated over the course of his career that he's more than capable, John, of being a very, very effective collegiate quarterback.
0: I think of a guy like drew Brees. you know, back when he played for Purdue not the biggest guy. I mean, maybe he was six foot. Not the guy that you'd look at and be like, he's got the John Elway type of an arm. But he was a guy that was very, very effective getting the ball down the field. We saw it all throughout his career at New Orleans. Like this was a team that, yeah, they used the the short passing game. But man, he was he was great getting the ball down the field to guys like Lance Moore, uh, Ted Ginn at times, and so. Arm strength is important, absolutely, but I think a lot of times, like we underrate the idea of timing. And Jeff Levy spoke to it. He's like he knows how to get the ball out kind of basically on time. You know, he says he said a little bit early, but a lot of that just comes down to timing. I think of a guy like Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a bigger guy. He's like six foot three, six foot four, uh, weighs like 220, 230. But he doesn't necessarily have the strongest arm in the NFL either. But he's good at like anticipating when to release the ball on the deep on the deeper developing routes. And so I think that's, that's something to, to, to like about Dylan Gabriel is that even though he might have some limitations, he understands his limitations and to compensate for that, you do have to get the ball out a little bit quicker. And I think we saw that a little bit in the spring game. It's like a guy might've started off covered on the deep route. I think of like Theo Weiss, you know, he was running this, that go route down the left sideline and, you know, Dylan Gabriel releases it and he's kind of covered. But then Theo Weiss has the acceleration to be able to go out and get the ball uh, and separate from the defensive back. And I think that's the thing. Those are the little things right there that make a bigger difference a lot of times than just having outright arm strength. Uh, because if you, if you think you can out throw people, then a lot of times you're just going to be waiting on your guy to get for, far enough down the field and then you throw it and then it's going to be easier to cover. But if you get it out there before the safety can come over and offer some help or the cornerbacks able to catch up uh, and Really understand where the ball's at. If he's not anticipating the ball coming out as quickly as it does, then he's not going to be able to be looking for it necessarily and be able to defend it as, as easily. And so I, th- I think there's some things to what Jeff Levy's saying, like some of those subtle attributes that we might not talk about as much when it comes to quarterbacks and passing. We, we look at accuracy and arm strength. That's kind of what everybody talks about. But anticipation, accuracy, those things are huge. And I think Dylan Gabriel's got some of those things. Um, you know, I, I think. Dylan Gabriel is going to be a really, really good quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. How good? Like what ascend, you know what level he ascends to? This season, that still remains to be seen, but I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't you know end the season as one of the kind of the 10 best quarterback seasons in Oklahoma history. Uh, and they've had a lot of really good quarterback play, but he's just got that kind of um, we saw it on, we saw it on Tuesday, just a little bit of the moxie a little bit of the confidence, the swagger. He's got the full belief of his team and his staff, coaching staff. Um, and so you know, you might look at him and say, well, he's not very tall. He may not have the strongest arm. But we've seen it for decades in the NFL that it's not always the tallest or the strongest that end up winning as quarterbacks in the NFL. You can go all the way back to like a Joe Montana who won a lot of games. He wasn't, didn't have the strongest arm, but he played with anticipation. You can look at a guy like Doug Flutie, who is small, another left-handed quarterback, awkward in the pocket sometimes, won a lot of games, played a long time in the NFL, had a great college career. I mean, so many guys you could run through that had a lot of success despite being somewhat limited in in different spots. And I know I'm going on and on about this, but as a short guy myself, 5'9", 5'10", I think it's really important that we look at the things he can do well. And I think there are a lot of things that Dylan Gabriel does very, very well.
1: Well, and it's not like his arm strength stinks. I mean, he could really sling the football physically. I I don't even know if he's much of a detriment in that department. I I really don't think that necessarily Dylan Gabriel is. I mean, I think that he's pretty, you know, got a pretty powerful arm and accurate and great anticipation and all those things you were talking about. To your point, some of the final items you were touching on there, Stetson Bennett is Stetson Bennett a six foot five, six foot six quarterback? No, he's he's five foot eleven. Stetson Bennett would you would you describe him as one of the nation's top five, top ten, top fifteen passers last season? Maybe, right? Maybe. I I mean, in terms of just like raw draft talent no you wouldn't you definitely wouldn't describe him in in that category but yet what does he do because of the parts the sum of the parts around him he leads Georgia to a national championship and I say that to get here to this Oklahoma has had Baker Mayfield they have had Kyler Murray they had another season a little bridge season there from Jalen Hurts where Jalen Hurts did a lot of really good things for Oklahoma they had uh, the first season with Spencer Rattler where Spencer is the best quarterback in the big 12 conference, right? I mean, they had some, some real firepower last season when Caleb Williams initially took over. Oklahoma's had some great quarterback play. So Dylan Gabriel, if he can get somewhere close to that, well, really what you're banking on is that Dylan Gabriel doesn't necessarily have to be quite like all of those different guys. If he could be close to and not, not necessarily right at the Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray type seasons. well, what you're hoping is that with Brent Venables coming in, with Jeff Leppi uh, coming in, offensively what they're trying to do, rushing the football and just some other things tempo-wise that maybe Dylan Gabriel won't have to be, uh, no pun intended, Caleb Williams, but maybe you won't have to be Superman every single week, right? That maybe that defense can be improved a little bit. And we've seen in college f- football as recently as last season. Okay, you don't have to have the, the number one quarterback in America to go win a national championship. And Dylan Gabriel is certainly – okay, if he's not the number one quarterback in America, which probably he's not going to be Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I think that's fair. That's fine. We can all agree on that, man. I, I, I go back to, I think what you said there, which is I think he could be a top five top 10 type quarterback. I certainly think he could be a Heisman hopeful type quarterback. And if everything else comes along for OU, I mean, come on, what are we talking about here? He's got more than enough tools to lead Oklahoma to where they want to go.
0: So just looking real quick at pro football focus, I- I love football focus. I know a lot of people aren't fond of their grading system, but I love it for their advanced stats. So over the 2019-2020 seasons, he threw for 28 touchdowns on throws greater than 20 yards down the field. Now, his completion percentage wasn't great, but he has a willingness to throw the deep ball. He can get it in the end zone. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. So he only in that of those attempts, only four were intercepted. Uh, I think it was like more than 160 attempts. Uh, throwing the deep ball like he threw you know in 2020 he was I think it was third in um, completions more than 20 yards in NCAA like behind just uh, Zach Wilson and Kyle Trask so actually no he tied he tied with uh, Zach Wilson for the most completions on throws more than 20 yards down the field so he's got the ability he's got the skill you know, we can debate some of the accuracy stuff. A lot of that's going to depend a little bit dependent on your wide receiver as well. Um, you know, are they are they getting into the right position to catch that pass? You know, only film can tell us that. But I, I think I like where we're at. I love where we're at with quarterback. I think the Marvin. I think Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss are both going to excel. Uh, down the field with Dylan Gabriel throwing them the football. Uh, we got more Jeff Levy to hear from. We got even some Dylan Gabriel that we'll hear from him maybe in the next episode, but we're going to hear a little bit more from Jeff Levy on the running back room. But that's after I talked to you about built bar. Built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, 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 ever. If you haven't tried built puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. It's indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. The cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course they're covered in 100% real chocolate, like only built bar can do. So if you haven't tried them yet, go to built.com, use our promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at built.com for cookie dough chunk puffs that are only 160 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Again, low calorie, high protein and low sugar. So go to built.com. Use promo code locked 15, get 15% off your next order at built.com. All right. So Jeff Levy also had this to say, we talked a little bit about what he had to say about the running back room and Eric Gray in particular, but let's hear what he had to say just about the running back position.
2: I'm just going to, going to start with EG. Obviously Eric's done an unbelievable job. I've said this uh, since being around him for five days. The guy's a pro. Everything he does is, is in a professional manner. So could not be more excited about where he's at and what he's going to be able to do for us this fall. Marcus is, you know, it's all about consistency for him. I think everybody understands when he's gotten opportunities, he's done a really good job and so excited about where he's at. He had a good summer and then the two young guys, obviously Javonte was here in the spring, had a really good spring for a young guy just getting into it and Gavin's incredibly talented. we were talking about foot speed earlier and and he's got it. So. Excited about that room, maybe not a ton of production or experience from a depth standpoint, but guys that are that are capable and willing for sure. So excited about all those guys.
0: There's a lot to be excited about. There's there's still a lot we need to see. And I think there's it's okay to have both of those those feelings. Like you can be excited about Marcus Major, but we have to see him produce on the field. You can be excited about Javante Barnes and what his potential brings. But again freshman we have a lot to see from him still what were your kind of big takeaways from that
1: my big takeaways are are we buying all of this with eric gray now i, I i'm 100 sold on what he's talking about when he says hey took me less than five days of being around eric gray for me to say wow this guy he operates like a professional remember just uh, a year ago Last spring, I guess a little over a year ago now, but a year ago we were hearing that same sort of line of thinking, right? Those same comments from DeMarco Murray and from Oklahoma about Eric Gray and his professional-type approach, how quickly he picked up the play playbook. And it's been no surprise that obviously Jeff Levy coming in, we're seeing, we're hearing more of that with Eric Gray. But just on a production basis, Not that Jeff Levy outright came out and said, hey, Eric Gray's our number one back, but he did start that response with it. It starts with EG, right? Which would lead you to believe that, okay, Eric Gray probably has the, no pun intended, leg up right now in the running back room. Are you buying that?
0: Yeah, I'm 100% buying it. I want to go back to his 2020 season with Tennessee. Averages 4.9 yards per carry rushes for 758 yards on just 156 carries, has 401 yards after contact. I mean, this is a guy that was productive when he got an opportunity against the SEC. Like, Tennessee, not the the powerhouse of the SEC, but the offensive line is good enough for him to put up pretty solid production. I mean, I go back to what I said on our last episode. I just think they gave up on him too quick last year. I mean, am I asking them to give him 20 carries a game, 25 carries a game? Absolutely not. But when you have a guy that is as electric as he can be, you got to get him more than 3 touches a game, especially against you know, teams like Oklahoma State and Baylor or and Iowa State where you're struggling to move the ball. And this is not a knock against Kennedy Brooks because and I'm not even saying take any carries away from Kennedy Brooks, but like some of those things that you were trying to do with some of your wide receivers, get the ball out in space, like that's Eric gray. I mean, you think back to the Kansas game, the offense really wasn't doing much. And then they throw a little swing pass out to Eric gray. And once he do, he, he takes it nearly for an, in, a touchdown. I think he got it down close to like inside the five yard line, but it was like a big 20, 30 yard chunk play. But I felt like they, they didn't look to do that enough. Um, and so I'm excited to kind of see where he lands. I don't think they're going to make him this bell cow running back. I don't think that they're going to ask him to run the ball 20, 25 times a game. But I would I would think like 10 carries a game at least, five to seven targets a game, or 12 and five, something like that, where he's getting anywhere from 14 to 17 touches a game, I think is, is reasonable. And then you've got another 10 to 15 carries that you kind of intersperse between Marcus Major and Javante Barnes, and Gavin Sacha and this and the, the UCF transfer Bentavius Thompson as well. Like you've got some guys that you can hand the ball to. I think there's going to be some roles for various guys. Like Bentavius Thompson, I could very easily see him being kind of their short yardage goal line style of back. Uh, same with like a Marcus Major. I, I I could see him being kind of like the closer. You know, like you put him out there, you know, in the fourth quarter and you're trying to like run down the clock and grind it out. He's a guy that you can hand the ball to, you know, ten times in a row. And not have to worry about, is he going to be able to handle the punishment? We've seen like when he gets the ball in, you know, groupings, like whether it's the, the, um, the Alamo bowl or, you know, different times, I mean, short spurts that he's able to handle the punishment a little bit. Um, you know, guys like Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachak, it remains to be seen, you know, they they could even redshirt those guys. I don't think that they'll redshirt Barnes, but I mean, he could even fall into a similar role as, as Marcus major, but you know, it, I think that there's going to be a bit of a role for everybody on this on this team, but I think for the most part, it's going to be Eric Gray, at least to start the season. We'll find out a lot more after that Nebraska-Kansas State-TCU run about how this running back group is kind of tiered up, it, the hierarchy of it, and how the carriers are going to, you know, kind of divide themselves amongst the running back room.
1: Yeah, that trip to Lincoln. After that, we'll probably – Probably either have your number one running back locked in, or maybe you're looking to start going a different direction or give multiple guys more serious looks at the running back room. I think, uh, you know, to me, this is arguably the most fascinating position group for Oklahoma going into next season. Offensive line, you know, that will be equally as important. For Oklahoma, and it's a position group that you look at and you say, okay, well, that offensive line, their growth is going to go a long way in determining the ultimate success or failure of Oklahoma. But I don't know that there's as much mystery or intrigue around the offensive line. There's, you know, there's, I guess, a couple of spots that you could look at and say, okay, that's up for grabs. But Really, we have, we think, a pretty good idea who the two starting tackles are going to be, right? We got a pretty good idea who we think the two starting guards are going to be and who the starting center is going to be. I mean, it's easy to map out what you think the projected offensive line for Oklahoma is going to be. Yeah, I mean, we could sit here and say this about Eric Gray right now, but it's not going to shock me if by week four or five, we're talking about Marcus Major getting the bulk of the carries for Oklahoma. Or if along the way we're talking about Javante Barnes or Gavin Sachuk having really burst onto the scene because I think those two those two guys, those freshmen, John, I've said it all offseason. I think they might be the two most talented guys that they have in their, their collective backfield. So, you know, there's only if that's the case, if that's indeed true about Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk, man, I mean, there's only so long you can't give those guys toads.
0: I think there's only so like you're you're only gonna see so much of these guys early in the season I think Javante Barnes will see against UTEP and Kent State especially if they're able to you know build a big lead against those teams but I think they're going to want to try and get you know Bentavius work I think they want to see what Tawi Walker might have too so we may not see like that what their true running back rotation is going to look like the first couple of weeks of the season but I think you're right the trip to Nebraska that's going to be kind of the telltale sign at least for that first game like if they can you know, if Eric Gray comes out and just has this breakout performance and has, you know, hundred yards rushing, you know, another 30, 40 yards receiving, like, I think it pretty much, that's who you go with. Um, if you are going to go with Marcus major, if he's going to, if it's going to be a running back committee, I think we'll see that in, in that first game against Nebraska or that not first game of that third game against Nebraska, which I think could very well be the case is that this becomes a running back committee and it's very situational and dependent on how each guy's looking that week. And, and how it all plays out but i really think that with this team with so much turnover that they've experienced over the last you know 8 9 months i really think that they're trying to to find as many guys that are veteran like guys to have on the field at the right time obviously they want to put the best players out there but if there's something that that if everything is equal and eric gray you just feel more comfortable with i think that's the route they're going to go Uh, you know, his, his dual threat ability is going to give them options when they're on offense. And I think that's a good thing. It's more, what is he going to be able to do kind of as a multi-purpose runner? I feel like we can see that. Like there, there are times where we can see him being a really good runner. I mean, he had a really good game against Nebraska last year, but then there's times where, like I said, I feel like they just gave up on him too early. They'll give him one carry and it doesn't really do much. And then they're like, Oh, well, we're not done. We're not using Eric Gray anymore. And like, that's it. Really?
1: Come and, on. And one carry where it's like halfback dive, right? Yeah. You know, maybe Eric Ray's not, you know, designed to 15 times a game run, you know, in between the center and the guard, right? I mean, some off tackle, just some uh, things that get him out toward the perimeter. And the other thing with this running back race, John, that obviously always going to be imperative, but I do think tilts in the – favor of both eric gray and marcus major is ball security not that javante barnes and gavin sanchuk not that they are two guys coming in as true freshmen that we think are going to cough it up a bunch but we've kind of seen and have a pretty good idea that both eric gray and marcus major are going to take care of the football historically so i mean obviously uh you know with ball security being a premium it's always going to be a premium if those two guys i mean if that's better than the two youngsters if you can trust that more then that's going to point the compass in their direction
0: and so speaking of pro football focus you know i've talked about my affinity for them so i'm looking at eric gray's running like rushing by direction again they've got it all broken down there so he ran the ball between the guard and the center 224 times um sorry for 224 yards Last year, it was 50 times between the guard and the center. And then a combined 50 or 46 times off, you know, off the left end, right end, like outside the tight end, outside the either, either tight end. So I'm like, they ran it more up the middle, like straight up the middle than they did running to the outside with Eric Gray last year. I mean, I I feel like that just goes to show like the misusage of one of your more dynamic players when you're trying to get him running straight at defensive tackles every time, you know, and then like he ran another 10 plays off of, you know, between the left guard and the left tackle, another, you know, 14 between right guard and right tackle, like almost, you know, a big, big chunk of what he did was between the tackles last year. So like, you're not telling me you can run more to the outside, like more to the wide, you know, more wide zone, more, you know, toss plays counter to the outside. Like, I don't know. It, it just one more, one more like little needle that just pricks at me every single time I look at his or Marvin Mims, like stat breakdowns. I'm just like, I'm irritated all over again. Um, and so I think like, you know, depending on how they use him, I think he could just be a really dynamic player. And you know, obviously if you run him up the behind the center, 20 times a game, that's not going to help you. But if you, you know, kind of needle and and prod that a little bit so that you can then work outside, that's where the game's at. Like that's how you're going to most effectively use Eric Gray. Uh, Any other thoughts on this before we wrap up there, Josh?
1: I just can't wait to watch all of this unfold with these running backs. You know, what he said said about Marcus Major too leads me to believe that Jeff Lebby's pretty high on Marcus Major. And, you know, one of the things that DeMarco Murray has – said a lot throughout the spring and just the other day, again, at OU media days is, you know, Marcus Major is one of my favorites, if not my favorite in the, in the backfield. I mean, he really digs Marcus major. So it's a a good sign with the running backs coach says, Oh, you know, he's my favorite running back. And that's could bode well for Marcus major. I just, while there's some signs that kind of point toward this thing, maybe really being Eric Gray's job, I'm going to hold off on totally subscribing to and believing that the more I've thought about it. I still think this race is very wide open. I think Eric Gray will get the bulk of the looks maybe early, but I don't think this thing's ironed down by any stretch of the imagination. And I think all three of those uh, other primary names, Marcus Major, the two freshmen that we've talked about, I still think they're very much in play here.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's going to be a week to week thing. I think competition never stops with Brent Venables. I, I, just because you're a starter week one doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a starter week five or week 12. It's just, I think that's just going to be the way things are. And that's a, like, that's not a bad thing. You know, you get your best 11 out on the field whenever you can. I think he's going to be one of their best 11 given how much they're going to, how many plays they're going to run, how much they're going to throw the ball. I think he's going to be out there for a big portion of the offensive plays. But I think you're right that we're going to see these other guys worked in as well in a, in a big way. I think, I mean, Marcus Major is kind of the guy that everybody's just been waiting to kind of take that step, take that next step based on just the, the small glimpses of what we've seen out of the guy. Like somebody asked the question the other day about Marcus Major, just a, his ability as a dual threat runner too, like his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Go back to the Florida game in the Cotton Bowl a couple years ago. And he had like this big 70-something-yard touchdown reception, like caught the ball in the short area of the field and then you know just dusted everybody for a touchdown. You're like, okay. So dude's got the power. He's got the speed. So now he's got to make sure that he can stay on the field and get him the ball. Like, please, come on. This has got to be the year that the dude gets like 10, 12 carries a game. because He's the one that I'm most intrigued to watch. Like if I can get out to practice – And then obviously week one, like get this guy a bulk of carries, let him do work and let's see what happens on the field.
1: Marcus major has been the appetizer that Oklahoma fans have been enjoying for dessert. Right. It's like, it's tasty appetizer. What you've seen haven't enjoyed the full meal yet. And yet it's always kind of in mop up duty for the most part throughout his career. Now the bowl game, you know, play that you're talking about wouldn't really necessarily totally fit that description, but yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm excited to see what a Marcus major can do in potentially much more meaningful snaps.
0: Yeah. And I think this is going to be the year that we see it. So very interesting position at the running back position. We got more that we'll talk about on the next episode with Jeff Levy. We got some deal- Gabriel cuts. We want to get to as well from media day. We'll talk about that on our next episode of locked on Sinners. So thank you so much for listening to today watching if you're watching on youtube subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube we're free and available on all platforms make sure you go follow us on twitter at locked on sooners and on facebook locked on sooners podcast follow josh on twitter at josh on ref and myself at john nine williams and we will catch you next time boomer sooner